Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Not all the time that we get to talk to a particularly funny guy who's an author. And he, by the way, thank you for your service of being in the Navy. And he's done all kinds of things in his life. And uh, um, he is actively working to reinvent this, the uh, art of storytelling. And uh, his name is uh, G.S. Gentry. Is it Gen- Gen- no, Gary? Is that right? Jerry. It's G.S. Jerry, Jerry not a common Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. With a, with, a, with a G rather than a J and all that kind of stuff. Right. If you want to follow along with us, you can go to his website, which I have to ask him about what that means. Uh, could you pronounce that your website for me? <laughs> Absolutely. So the website is greekden.com. Uh, the main character in my first book, his name is Mr. Greek. Um, but you know the, the song, it's it's great then, and then it's great then. Uh, it's kind of a play on that. So instead of it's great then, it's great then. Very good. So you can go there. You can uh, look at the the book that he has has been had out for about a year, and also you got a brand new book coming out. That's right. Yeah, I'm working on a new book right now. Almost done writing it called Hysterical Hangouts with the Hind Legs, and so it's going to be a reality show, but in a book. And so it's kind of an innovative concept, uh, something a little bit different. But my first book's a little different, so it kind of fits the fits the mold there. Exactly. What made you think of the first book? Uh, so it was based on a, uh, a real estate transaction gone bad. And so it's about, you know, a loving family. Uh, all they're trying to do is sell their house. And so along the way, they encounter some of the most shady real estate agents you can think of. And they actually end up getting accused of murder and making meth in their garage, kind of like Heisenberg, you know, from Breaking Bad. And so, you know, what should have taken 30 days ends up being a six month roller coaster. Uh, we're just trying to sell their house and, and move out, move away and move closer to family. Now, was there, does that have some re, some semblance of reality? Is this somebody that you knew or did you just make this <laughs> out of thin air? No, this is, this is based on a true story. Uh, this actually happened to my family and I, and so that's kind of the basis for the story. Uh, as we go to sell our house in Colorado and it's 2019, which you know, is pretty much a, a hot seller's market at the time. Everybody's trying to sell their houses before COVID even happened. And we had a real estate agent. He's the guy who sold us the house. And the first real estate agent basically drops the ball. I come to find out he's not even living in the state. He's moved from Colorado to Arizona and he's told nobody. And so we're supposed to have all this marketing done. He's supposed to send these flyers out to the neighborhoods and nothing happens. Uh, we actually put some offers on uh, some other houses to stay in Colorado originally. Those offers don't go through. He doesn't answer my calls for like hours at a time. So we actually lose out on some potential offers. I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? Come to find out he's not even in Colorado. He's in Arizona. Um, the lady that had been showing us houses was like, yeah, he's been gone for like half a year now. Um, I'm actually quitting today. I'm going to a new real estate firm. You should follow me. I was like, yeah, we built a good relationship. That sounds like a great idea. So now we go from real estate agent number one to real estate agent number two. And so, you know, the kind of the running joke is how many real estate agents does it take to sell a house? Most people would say one, and you know, you would think that would be the case. Well, fortunately, it's not the case for us. It actually takes us three real estate agents to sell a house. Well, and the thing is, if you're, if you're, Living in Arizona, 
and you're trying to sell a house in Colorado, I don't know how that works. How does that work? Or does it? Uh, I mean, he got fired, so it clearly doesn't work very well. Um, you know, he, he said he was doing everything that he was supposed to do. He, he, he was like, oh, we're hiring, you know, this canvassing team, and they're going to go to the surrounding neighborhoods, people that are renting homes, people that are renting apartments, and their lease is about to get up. And we're going to we're going to sell this information out to them and you're going to get all this traffic to your house and nothing happens. I'm like, hey, did the flyers go out? And it's like Wednesday. He's like, oh, no, no, they're going out tomorrow. Thursday comes like, hey, did you send the flyers? And he's like, no, I meant Friday. Friday comes. He's like, oh, not this Friday, next Friday. Right. Like every day it's a different day. And so I'm like getting frustrated because he's like, yeah, your house is only supposed to take 30 days to sell. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, I've heard houses are almost selling the time they go on the market, essentially. And, you know, it just, he, he lists the house pretty high and I'm like, Hey, that seems kind of high. I haven't seen a house in our, our area go for that amount. So you're right. Like you sold me this house. So clearly like, you know what you're doing. Um, but he obviously didn't have our best intentions, uh, in, in his mind. And he was, he was thinking probably, and I don't know the man, but I'm guessing he was thinking, well, you know, it's a hot, 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 hot market. And I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is list a thing and it'll sell all by itself. And then I don't have to, you know, move from Arizona. I can retire here and, uh, and uh, sell houses there. And, but it doesn't work that way. And, and I don't think it ever has. No, it doesn't. You actually have to actively market it. You know, he, he got photos and everything. And then I actually ended up confronting him about not being in Colorado and he's like, well, I mean, technically my house is in Arizona, but I still have an office in Colorado. I'm, I'm there all the time. I'm like, well, really? Because the house has been on the market and I haven't seen you once. So he, he would send like his assistant or he would send somebody else. And then he would call me on the phone shortly thereafter. So like, you know, everything's kosher. I'm at least communicating with him originally. But the further down the process we get, the, the less contact we actually end up having with him. So this this whole thing was going on with you and uh, this this story of your family what decided you that it would make great material for a book so uh, along the way right you know I, I told you i actually got accused of murder um and making meth in my garage and so as this is going on like i'm getting really upset i'm like you know what i should go talk to the news right the news would love to hear this story of course i go to one of the local news stations in colorado send them an email they're like absolutely we want to hear this story so they send a team out and they come and interview me and the whole interview process is a nightmare. Um, you know, what makes it onto TV and these news broadcasts is not what happens behind the scenes, right? They cut it up, they edit it. You have to walk up the stairs a certain way. You have to come down the stairs a certain way. You have to open the front door the right way. And so all these interactions keep happening to me as I'm like trying to sell my house. And, you know, I include all this in the story. Like I give you behind the scenes access to like what the actual news broadcast looks like. But after the whole interview goes live, it gets pulled after 12 hours because they screwed up. And so the interview comes down, they have the wrong photo in the article online. So they have to remove the photo. And it's literally like Murphy's Law, right? Like what can go wrong will go wrong. And sometimes like to like the nth degree. And so when I finally end up selling my house, I'm talking to a buddy of mine um, and I'm like, hey, you know, Meth Murder on Amazon, this would make a great book. And this is like, you know, maybe a month after I sell my house and then COVID happens and all this other stuff happens. And I do a lot of, I, I work in the cybersecurity space and I do a lot of technical report writing. And so what actually led me to write, to, to actually write a book in general was I had a customer call me one day and she's like, Jerry, 
this report is identical to the report we received last year. And I was like, oh, oh God, please don't tell me that's true because this is like a 450 page report. I started going through the report, the same information, same information. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, this, this is absolutely the same report. Now what makes it worse is I wrote the prior year's report. So as I'm going through it, I'm like, this, this language sounds very familiar. It's because it's my own language. Um, this is during the COVID, COVID pandemic. So, you know, we're, they're saying we're going on site to look at uh, physical security. No one's traveling. There is no on-site anything at this time. So I'm like, obviously this guy just didn't do his job. I calm the customer down. I'm like, all right, I'll fix this report. <clears throat> the report goes from 450 pages uh, to 750 pages. And after I got done with it, I was like, geez, Louise, I feel like I just wrote a novel. I have this crazy story that happens happened to me back when I sold my house. That's it. I already got the title. I'm going to write this book. And that's exactly what I did. And so I started telling my friends, I started telling my family, I'm like, hey, I'm going to write a book. And they're like, shut the heck up. No, you're not. You're not writing a book. I said, absolutely, I am. And so, you know, I joke around at the time and they thought I was joking. I was like, I'm absolutely not joking. And so I had never written a book before. I'm like, how do I even do this thing? And, and so that's kind of how it all started. And my goal in all this was to, to do something different. And so, you know, you have Stephen King, James Patterson, right? Those guys are those guys for a reason. They sell millions of books but no one wants to read the same thing over and over again. Why not do something different? And so that was my goal is that if I'm going to write something and take the time to do it, I wanted to bring something just com completely different. And so that's kind of what I did. So who did they think that you had murdered? <laughs> so, uh, so the murder scene, yeah. It seems pretty easy to prove that it didn't happen. Absolutely. And so the, the setup is we have an open house on a Saturday. The open house is in Colorado. Me and my family, we have left. We've taken a vacation and we are in Florida. Open house in Colorado. We're in Florida. So when they come to do the open house, you know, they, they come about an hour and a half, two hours early and they clear everything. They make sure everything's straightened up, picked up. Everything's in good working order for the open house to happen. Well, as they're clearing the house, they go upstairs to the guest bedroom. And when they open the door, they see a leg hanging out from under the bed. They see the leg, they scream, they run out the house and they call the cops on me. They actually call the cops and they tell them that we must have murdered one of our children and hit the body under the bed. And that's really why we went to Florida. I kid you not, we can't make this up. And so, there's the body for sure. All my kids are alive. I have four kids at this time. Now I have five, so I didn't adopt anybody, right? Like I didn't, I didn't actually murder anybody. But the cops show up, right? And all of a sudden the body's gone. They're like, what the heck happened? And so in the book, you know, I'll actually explain like what it was. It was like basically the worst case of perception meets reality, right? I don't know why they wouldn't be like, hey, who's that? Who's under the bed? Come out of there. And the first instinct is just to run out the house and call the cops on me. But that's what they did. <laughs> And so this is this is day one. And so as as they call me, right, like I, when I find out about this, I'm like sitting in Panera Bread parking lot with my family and the real estate agent calls me and she's like, Jerry, Jerry, there's someone inside the house. Did you know there's someone inside the house? And I'm like sitting there. I look around I'm like, excuse me, what do you mean? There's somebody inside the house. There's no one inside the house. Like I've got cameras in there. like there's nobody in there but you guys. And she's like, no, there's someone inside the house and they're hiding under the bed. I was like, what? She goes, yep, uh, there's there's someone under the bed. Uh, there's no one supposed to be here, right? I'm like, absolutely not. So she's like, great, we called the cops. And so 
as she tells me the story of like seeing the body, calling the cops, she makes it like it's the other real estate agent that calls the cops on me. Well, when I finally come back from vacation after losing the open house and like losing a whole bunch of other showings after the fact, I'm like, I'm going to get the police report. I want to see what they said. Sure enough, I get the police report. It says, yep, yep, so-and-so called the cops, but it's actually the real estate agent who called me and not the person that she was with that she claimed it was that called the cops. And so she basically lied. She told on me, like, I killed somebody. And so, like, now I'm, like, forever, you know, painted as this villain who, you know, murders people and stuff from under the bed during open houses. That That is that is frighteningly weird that, that somebody... Yes. Because I can see if you're not home, and that happens all the time, is there it can be a squatter that can get into the house one way or another, and uh, yeah. and apparently they they heard somebody coming in the door, and so they decided to hide under the bed so they wouldn't get seen, and they didn't make it all the way, and and yeah, you get, a terrible job hiding, worst hide and seek ever, <laughs> <laughs> and and then you get blamed for murder. That's right. That that's obviously the logical explanation. There's a, there's a leg under the bed, so someone must be dead. Was so. What did the, did the police kind of giggle and, and say? No, nah, nobody's missing and nobody's dead, and there was no blood. Oh, yeah. There was no, you know, all that. Yeah, the cops. The cops come. They they come and inspect everything, and by the time they show up, there's no there's no leg under the bed. There's no body there. Um, and so the cops call me, and they're like, "Yes, sir, everything's fine." Um, you know, we, we kind of heard what happened. Uh, we wanted to make sure there wasn't an emergency. Cops showed up and they basically go around the house and check everywhere and can't find anything. So, so I'm assuming that's the ex exit of the second uh, real estate person. Oh, it gets better. And so this is on a Sunday that this, the you know, the murder happens. Four days later, it's Thursday, and I get a call from my real estate agent again. And she's like, hey, Jerry, we had a meeting at our you know real estate firm everybody comes in we talk about the new properties anything that's going on and as we were talking your house got brought up and so as we were talking we smelled something that smelled like burning plastic when we were in your garage during the open house i was like oh no is was something burning and she's like no mr drake burning plastic means meth and so because we smelled burning plastic we think that someone has been making meth or smoking meth on the premises. And so we're going to need you to get a meth test done or we're going to flag your house in the MLS for suspicious behavior. And she's like, but don't worry. It's only 50 bucks. I said, I don't care if it's 50 cents. I'm not paying someone to do a meth test in my house. Like this is a nice house. Like this is in the suburbs. Like this has a decently high price point. Like you guys are just acting insane, right? Like how on earth is this a possibility that not, first I've murdered someone like, I don't even see how that's possible, but now I'm making meth. Like, how do we go from one extreme to the other, right? So if I'm killing people, then obviously most of me making drugs, they both go hand in hand. And so I'm like, I'm guaranteed you're not going to flag my house. And I was like, I'll sue you. Like, there's no way you can do this. You can consider this the end of our arrangement. Like, we're never talking again. So they get fired. <laughs> and, you know, at first they're like, well, I don't think you can let us go like that. Like, you need to get this test done. I'm like, no, like, this is it. Like, I don't expect to ever hear from you again. And so she's like, hold on one second. She obviously talks to the owners and they're like, okay, we, we can just, you know, call, call, call it as we see it. You know, like, go our separate ways and call us the end. I'm like, good. Thank you. Have a nice day. And so I'm still mad. I'm like, hey, I'm going to talk to the news. Before I talk to the news, I'm going to talk to a lawyer, right? Because, like, you can't just do that. That's, like, defamation, slander. There's got to be something that I can do. 
talk to a lawyer. I tell them the story. They're laughing. They think it's funny, but they're like, yeah, they shouldn't be able to do that. They go talk to the real estate agents. They talk to the firm. And then they actually find that there's actually code in the real estate uh, industry that says, especially in Colorado, if there's even the suspicion that there's been methamphetamine on the premises, the real estate agents are well within their rights to request a meth test and say anything. And there's not a damn thing that you can do about it. And so obviously couldn't do anything with the lawyers. So then at that point, I was like, all right, I got to go talk to the news. I got to get my story. I got to say something. And so that's where the news idea came from. And then, of course, that incident's train wreck, right? So it's like, how, how many things can go possibly wrong? But that's, that's essentially how the kind of the book set it up. It's for one crazy situation to another. And so I kind of liken it to a roller coaster. And I'll actually bring in thematic elements of a roller coaster. I'll be like, up, up, up. And, you know, you hear the clicks of the roller coaster. You're waiting there in your anticipation. That's the house about to sell. Boom, something happens and you drop down like the first chaotic drop and everybody's screaming. And so I kind of take the readers on a journey on a roller coaster this whole process. Well, at, at least nobody found a um, 55 gallon drum of acid in the garage. <laughs> oh, God, I can only imagine, right? Or, or any other number of things. You know, it's actually funny is uh, my kids had some like airsoft rifles under their under their beds, like just shooting stuff in the basement. And so like they actually pull it out set it on top of the bed and they take photos of it and include it in the police report like we have like these weapons in the in the beds uh, like under my kids beds i'm like they're airsoft guns guys like they're not going to do any damage um but they they felt that it was important enough to mention that because you know there's apparently weapons of mass destruction in the house as well did did you i assume you're married and did, and, yeah. and did you and your wife sit down at the kitchen table and say all right what in the hell is going on and why us yeah, we certainly did. I mean, we, we talked about it uh, at length when the like the myth and the murder situation happened and she was crushed because we're on vacation. We're trying to sell our house and like we haven't had the best of luck with the first real estate agent. But I mean, it's not terrible. But then it goes from like, hey, this guy's unresponsive to now this real estate agent's basically assassinating my character. And so we're like, like, what do we do? Like, I don't know any other real estate agents. Like, I don't want to go interview a whole bunch of people. And so I tell my my aunt about this and she's actually like, tells me, oh, I know a really good real estate agent. I was like, perfect. Clearly, I can't pick real estate agents to save my life. I'll take somebody else's advice. Uh, give me this guy's number. And so he actually helps us. He, find us the, he finds us the third real estate agent. And so the third real estate agent is the one who finally gets the household. But she has to deal with a whole bunch of nonsense being with us because the story comes out with the real estate agents on the news. They actually put a photo of her real estate agent sign in the broadcast. And so people actually start calling her when this comes out and they're like, hey, so-and-so, like, how could you do this to this family? What the heck is wrong with you? Like, why would you say that? And it went on from the time the article aired until it got pulled for like eight hours. She was getting harassed by people because they weren't reading the article. They weren't actually listening. They just see a sign and a phone number and they're like, yep, must be them. Call them up. And so then I had to like go and plead with the, the news station to take it down. And was like, can you just edit this one frame because it's the first frame? And they're like, no, we can't edit any on air broadcast. If it's if it has to be edited, it's coming down. And so it's down. I was like, all right, well, that didn't end, end well. <laughs> yeah. I I got to tell you, well, uh, the the, the um, plus side is the positive side. It came out as a book. 
and and the book I understand is doing well, and and you've got a second book out. Have you decided since you wrote these these books that being an author is what you want to do with yourself? I, I did, and so you know the the idea of me writing a book, you know, it kind of started out as like an inside joke, right? Because anybody that knows me is like, I don't read tons of books. I'm the kid who, when I was growing up, like if there's a book report too, I was going to read. I was going to watch the movie. I don't have time to read. Like I'm trying to play sports and hang out with my friends. And so I would never read the books. I would always watch the movies. And I did a pretty good job. I always got A's on my reports. So I obviously did a good job calling my teachers. And so, you know, as I go and decide I'm going to write the book, I'm like, how can I break the rules, right? If I'm going to do something, I might as well just break all the rules. And so writing a book says you can't use run-on sentences. You can't misspell words. I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And so I, the book's not full of run-on sentences, but I'll use them to add, you know, more depth, more details to the book and make it read like how, you know, essentially me and you are talking. We don't talk in complete sentences. We don't text in complete sentences. So why can't you write a book like that? And so that was kind of my idea as I went along and, you know, it flows really well. It's just, it's just a different way to write a book that's not really out there. And so I feel like I almost came up with something very unique. And so I just kind of play on that, right? Like if you want to read a, a super unique story that's told a really different way, then this is the book for you. But if you're a traditionalist and you're like, hey, I uh, I want complete sentences, no misspellings, right? Even though I misspell on purpose, then write, re listen to the audio book because you can't tell the misspellings and you can't tell all the run-on sentences that way. Uh, but I also use emojis in the book too. It's pretty different. Uh, I don't know that there's any other books that will actually use emojis in their book. And so I use them from time to time. Hey, something funny, I'll go like, ha, 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 and then laugh in face, right? So just add another little element there. Well, and your, um, yeah, the book Meth, Murder, and Amazon has done, it was a liter won the Literary Titan Book Award, the Reader's Favorite Book Award winner. You were a gold uh Guided the uh, ebook award. You won uh, bunches of, of 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 awards with this book. That had to make you feel good. Oh, it sure did. Because you know, it's funny as as I was like starting to get the book out and like I was getting ready to publish it. I would send it to my friends and be like, "Hey, read this. Like, if it sucks, tell me. Like, right? I don't want to make a fool out of myself, right? So, like, be honest with me." I'd send it to them and they wouldn't say a word. I'm like, "Did they read it?" And I'd ask them to like, "Oh yeah, it was good." That's all they would say. And I'm like, Come on, you didn't read it. there's no way you read it. And so like this kept happening and I'm finally like to the point, I'm like, all right, whatever. Like my friends aren't going to read it. Whatever. I'm just going to release this. Whatever happens, happens. Right. And so I feel like if you're going to put something out there. Like you got to be willing to take the good with the bad. And so as it comes out, the first thing I do is I submit it to an editorial review. I'm like, these guys have to read it because that's their job. Right. So I, I sent it to the first editorial review and he gives me a great review. He's like, this is like, Robin Williams on speed. I was like, hey, there you go. That's something, right? Like Robin Williams is a great comedian on speed. You know, that's probably not the best uh, description, but right, I'll take it. Anything with Robin Williams, you know, and comparing it to my book, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And so I would submit it to the next one and the next one. And I kept getting really good reviews. Like I never got one that was like, hey, stop writing. Like you're terrible at this. And so then I started submitting it to awards contests. And I was like, if I win an award, that's going to like give me some validity that what I'm doing actually works. Right. And so then I can almost use that as a platform to say, Hey, look, you can write a book in any kind of way in any kind of style and it'll work as long as you do it the right way. And that's, you know, essentially what I do with my book. And so, you know, winning the award definitely gave me some validity and it obviously made me feel good. And I felt vindicated uh, over the, the, the real estate assassins, as I like to call them, they're, they're not agents, they're, they're assassins.
Well, I really like the fact that you uh, stepped out of the box to do your own thing and to do it your own way. And when everybody, uh, your family, number one, didn't think you could write a book. And number two, everybody else said, no, that's not how you do it. You don't put emojis into a book. And and you don't, you know, it's got to be formatted a certain way and done a certain way. And you broke all the rules. Have you been a rule breaker your whole life? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say all my life. Like, I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a spotless record. I mean, outside my driving record. Like, I got I'm, not, I'm not interest, talking about but, being a criminal, but, but being yeah. <laughs> outside the box. Absolutely. And so, you know, I feel like I was trying to think outside the box or, you know, I played a lot of sports when I was growing up. And so I would, uh, you know, I'd watch a lot of basketball notes. The other guys would do and I would try to emulate it and then I would try to do something different and just build it into my arsenal. And so part of it was, hey, someone's like, hey, you have to write the book this way. You need to build the characters this way. I'd be like, no, you don't. You can do it a different way and I'll show you how. And so the more people that might say, hey, no, you shouldn't do it, or hey, I don't think you can do it. That's just more ammunition. Like, absolutely, I can. And so part of it's like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll prove you wrong. I'll show you. And so, you know, you can't take the awards away right now. I can say I'm a, an award-winning author, which, you know, sounds funny to say out loud, but it's true. You are. And you've got lots of reviews on here and stuff. Hey, if somebody wanted to contact you to find out your writing style and to learn from you, would you take their call? Absolutely, I would. I, uh, I actually thought about, you know, doing kind of like a, a publishing business or like an addition to my website where, you know, people could ask questions or if they were trying to publish their own book or, or whatever questions they might have about writing uh, to reach out and ask me. I haven't got to that, you know, part of my journey yet as far as, you know, updating the website and started to like broadcast it, but it was an idea. Uh, because I've done the self-publishing thing, you know, I've, I've, I've worked at it. I, I found a lot of good marketing techniques as well as a lot of good people that know how to do things, you know, the right way. Marketing, you can't fake, you're either good at it or you're not. And so that's one of the things I've learned along the way was the marketing, because I, I feel like that's actually the, the most difficult part of the whole process, especially if you're not like a marketer by trade or for your day job. Well, not only that, you know, you've been on a bunch of podcasts and all that. That must be rewarding. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I pitch my uh, my ideas to like the podcast here and there. And I always feel like, hey, if I say meth, murder and Amazon and podcasting, right, like people are going to eat it up because like what goes better with podcasting than some murder and some drugs, right? Like you can't go wrong. And then the fact that I put a funny spin on it, you know, it's intriguing. And at least that's how that's what I think. And so that's kind of what I'll play on. But it is rewarding that I'll get, you know, uh, someone that's got a big following you have you have a tremendous following you have great followers great backing and so you know it is great to get on here and share my story and just have great conversations with people even if it doesn't lead to book sales it's always just great to meet new people and just to share my story because someone will always hear something i say and be like either one that's unbelievable or two i can't believe he did it that way i wonder if i can do it kind of a little different well the cool thing is is that you're proving that you can do anything you want to and you can do it your own way if if you if you do it right, you just gotta have the intestinal fortitude to be able to go do that, and not have other people poo poo it and to say you can't do that. That's right. Plenty of people are gonna tell you what you can't do and what you shouldn't do, right? But uh, at the end of the day, it's your book. It's it's your piece of art, your content, whatever you want to call it, right? It's your own. And so the more you you allow people to get into your head and tell you and dictate what you do, the less it's gonna be your own unique thing, and it's gonna be similar to some other thing that's out there that no one's gonna care about. Well, now we know about the meth and we know about the murder. How does Amazon come into it? 
So this whole time, this meth and murder is going on. I'm actually working at Amazon. And so I worked for Amazon Web Services uh, at the time. Uh, I, I switched jobs kind of before all this happens. I go to Amazon. And so along the way, I'm working at Amazon behind the scenes. And then it all kind of goes downhill. Meth and the murder happens. And then I'm like, that's it. I'm never staying in Colorado. I don't want to live here anymore. They think I make meth and murder people. I'm moving back to Florida. I'm originally from Florida. My mom actually had cancer at the time. So I was like, I want to be close to my mom. And so because I'm leaving Amazon or I'm leaving Colorado, they're like, no, we need to be local. Um, we, we can't keep you. And I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, like, it's okay, right? Like, what's what's one more thing at this point? And so I, I just am like, hey, I call up the company that I used to work for. I had a really good relationship with a, a couple of people there. And one of them is like a vice president. Told them I was leaving. I also told them the story uh, of, you know, me trying to sell my house and getting accused of murder and making meth. And so they think it's hilarious. They're like, absolutely. We just need to interview you, right? And so uh, as this is happening, I'm like, all right, let's have an interview. And I'm, you know, preparing. I'm brushing over my resume. Literally, the only thing they want to talk about is the story of meth murder and Amazon. I'm like, how did I get accused of this? All these things. So this interview actually ends up making it into the book. I go interview with these guys from this company. Now, part of the fun of the book is I'll change everybody's names. I'll change all the titles. I'll even change the businesses. The only actual real name in the whole book is Amazon. The only reason I use the Amazon is because yeah, I reached out to their trademark department and I asked them, I was like, hey, can I use the name Amazon in my book or you automatically like ban it, flag it, whatever? Oh, no, no, you can use our name. You just can't say anything derogatory or defame us. And I was like, all right, perfect. I can walk that line, right? Like I can I can do it well enough that I'm not going to like have anything go back to bite me. And so that's why I included Amazon on there. But looking back on it, I almost wish I wouldn't have named it Meth Murdered Amazon because every time when I first came out with this book or would post on social media, I would get banned. So Instagram, every single day I would post, I'd be like, funny me, meth burner, Amazon, boom, instantly. Nope, your account is under surveillance. You're you're being monitored. And so the algorithms don't like the keywords meth, murder, and Amazon. And so I don't know if they think that I'm saying that Amazon's like murdering people and selling them in boxes and shipping them all over the country, or they're sending drugs through Amazon shipping. Like, I don't know what they're thinking, but clearly there's got to be something there because it was for months that this happened and I was getting so mad. I would go on other platforms and be like, look what Instagram's doing to me. They're banning me for this funny book that I wrote. Like it's all satire, it's humor. Like I'm not even, it's not even a serious book. Why are they being like this? And so I would have Instagram reply back like, oh, your account's unlocked. I would post the next day. Oh, your account is blocked again. I'm like, I was getting so mad. So then I was finally done with Instagram for a little bit and then I won an award. And they finally let up some of the restrictions. And so uh, I guess now I have some validity to what I was saying. So they're like, all right, this must be a real thing. Now, supposedly what they're supposed to do, because they've got these algorithms that are run by computer, and there'll be certain names that'll that'll come up and it'll flag them. And Amazon's clearly one of those because it's a, it's a business and stuff. And so what they're supposed to do then is kick it over to a department of actual people to read it, I'm not sure if it ever actually gets to an, an actual human being. I it, Rather, to determine whether or not it should be banned or not, I think that a lot of times they just say, nah, we'll just, it's too much trouble to do all that. So if it comes up in the algorithm, well, that's it. Yep, I think that's absolutely what it was. Because like, I was having my wife kind of do the Instagram because I don't really mess with Instagram like personally. But Obviously, when I wrote a book, I was like, all right, I need a platform. I need, you know, some people that are going to follow me. So as I come out with books, 
I'll actually be able to sell some books. And so she would post on it and then she'd be like, Jerry, your account's banned. I'm like, what do you mean my account's banned? I didn't even post it. Like, there's not even any drugs in that post. And and she would, she would literally tell me what's happened. I was like, call them up. She's like, what do you mean call them up? There's no one you can call. You have to send them like, a, you have to send them a message and then hope they respond back to you. I was like, this is terrible. Like what kind of, what kind of social media platform is this that you can't get a hold of anybody? And so she'd be like, all I can do is submit like what were they, what they rejected or what they blocked and why it's valid. And we just have to hope that they allow it. And so this just kept going on. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that there is. Down again. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I got to tell you, did, now, is this just a, like the, the period of the, of selling the house and, and for that, how long did this period last or is it continuing? So this, this was for about six months, this whole process from the time that I originally listed my house until I finally sold it and moved out of Colorado and away from the meth and the murder and moved to Florida. So it was six, it was a little over six months. And so the book actually follows you along, takes you through the entire timeline from the moment I'm like, hey, we're gonna sell our house until the final day where we close and then we pack up the moving truck and leave. And so there's, I told you a lot of good parts, but there's still a lot of funny stuff in there. Um, if you've ever heard of a bomb cyclone, whenever we uh, actually went to fly down to Florida, once our house goes under contract, we had to fly through a bomb cyclone. And so if you've never heard of that term or you've never been a part of one, that is a crazy storm. And so in the book, I'll actually explain, there's three types of turbulence. I didn't know this, but when I'm writing my book, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what kind of turbulence this is. And so I found the categories. And so I write explanations of what kinds of turbulence there are and what it feels like, right? And so sometimes like, right, it's not too bad, but other times it's like, you're gonna crap your pants because it's so crazy. And so like, I'll use things like that to just take the readers along. I'll teach them about different things. Um, a lot of it pertains to, you know, buying and selling your house, but there's there's a lot more there as well. Well, congratulations! I think that that what what you've done uh, with with that book and is is terrific, and it's nothing short of unbelievable that all these people would act a certain way, and their actions were not only fake or had no validity to them, but but you would think that you couldn't run into that many people in a row that were that stupid. You would think so, right? And so, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm you would a pretty think nice guy. The the law of averages yeah. would dictate that maybe somebody had a clue. Yeah, you would think so, right? Uh, like, I felt like the first real estate agent, like, compared to the second ones, right? He wasn't that bad. Hey, he wasn't there. No big deal. Go find a new real estate agent. But then, you know, what are the chances that that happens? And so, you know, as it goes along, I just, I just feel like, you know, it's the ultimate case of perception meets reality, right? Like, they perceive there's a dead body, so it must be true. Let's call the cops and tell them that he murdered somebody, right? Like, that's the obvious explanation. Oh, we smelled something in his garage that was burning. Nothing's burning. He's just making meth, right? Like, I don't understand how, like, that could even be a thought in someone's mind, especially because they had met me and all my kids, my entire family, like, 25 times. They've been in my garage a ton of times. You're telling me I'm making meth in a two-car garage? Like, no, sir. Like, there's no possible way that that would even happen i don't even have anything in there i could barely fit my suv in there but i have enough room to make meth like come on and so like as, as they tell like call and tell me this i'm like like you're kidding me right like and so as i before i wrote the book i would tell my friends and other people i knew the story and they're like no stop it like you're making this up i'm like no way like i couldn't make this up if i tried i was like like even the most 
wild imagination couldn't create a scenario like this. And then I actually tell them like, oh, by the way, go to this news link. And they would really be like, oh my gosh, like you're being serious. I was like, yes, I'm being serious. I'm going to lie about this. Like this is, this is so much better than fiction. It's real. Well, and that's, that's why it, it comes across as fiction because nobody would believe this actually happened in the way that actually happened. But uh... Absolutely. And so, you know, that was the goal of the book too, was to really try and keep it a, as close to true life as possible to really keep it as true to the actual events. So actually include pictures in the book as well, besides the emojis, there's actually photos. There's evidence in there. I actually include the police report that says, you know, across no crime committed, but that didn't stop them from accusing me of the meth murder, right? So the cops show up and they go through the whole house. Don't you think that they would have told them, hey, by the way, we found some meth paraphernalia. We found some like meth making devices, something. Well, they found the airsoft rifle, So you would certainly think they would find the drug paraphernalia, but nope, that doesn't matter. It's amazing how much, because they make a rule like that, how much power they can have over somebody that they could have effectively um, kept you from selling your house and putting a... Uh, a, a mark on it that that you how do you how do you disprove that you never had meth or never um, developed meth in the house uh, it's not there now but they still were going to say you did it but how do you disprove that I, I don't that would be a really hard thing to do apparently they that you can get a meth test done and they'll they'll come and they'll like test the walls and they'll test uh, different parts of the house to make sure there's no like residue and, you know, they told me it was only 50 bucks, but like on principle, I'm not going to spend 50 cents, right? Like, I know I'm not making meth. Like, got to be kidding me, right? Like, I don't care if you, if you told me you're going to pay it for it. I would just be not do it on principle because I'm so fresh. I'm like, why would you even say that when you've met me so many times? You met my family. Like, I even try not to swear, right? Like, I try, try to be a good example for my kids. And so clearly making meth wouldn't be a very good example. And so, you know, I, I try to like be reasonable with them. But after that, I was like, oh, this is it. This is the last straw. Like, heck with you guys. Now, what did, did your kids, were they aware of this whole scenario as it was going on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We told them what happened. Like when we were in a parking lot, they heard like, what? Someone's in the house. Like they only get like, you know, my side of hearing the conversation. I was like, hold on. shush, And like, I'm listening to them like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And so then I tell my wife and we're on the car together. And so as I'm telling the story, they're like, what, daddy? They said, what? And I'm like, yes. And so, you know, the, the years after the years go on, um, they'll just think it's the most hilarious thing. They'll see a meme online. It'll be like, so, like I got one sense to me. It was like, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't be making meth, right? And so that's <laughs> stuff like that. And I just think it's so hilarious. I'll just post stuff like that online. Online, I'm like, yep, clearly I make meth, guys. See, even Jesus knows you're not supposed to do that stuff. And so, oh, okay. like, so they'll like, I'll just, I'll just own it. I'll take it and with it. And so when I created my website, um, I have a, a I have a, um, a tab on there for recipes. I like to cook at home. Um, I make some pretty good food. And so I labeled it meth lab creations, right? And so sometimes you say I make meth, but you know, if I make meth, I might as well just play into it. And so that's kind of part of the fun. And so someone might see meth lab creations and be like, oh, great, this guy's giving us drug recipes. Sorry to disappoint you. They're just free recipes to make at home. If I found something that I liked, you know, like I went to Cheesecake Factory and had some olive cakes, I figured out a way to make it. Or I smoke some tri-tip at home, you know, I'll give you the recipe on how to do that. And so I try to add just different things to the website just to make it really uh, feel really authentic, right? Because you come to my website, yeah, of course you can buy the book, but there's also other things on there. There's also blogs on there. 
Um, kind of the way I write my stories is kind of the way I blog, right? I tell funny stories, but I'll teach you something along the way. And so I, I actually talk about uh, the, the day that the bald eagle took flight. It has nothing to do with bald eagles, but the main character of that blog is a bald eagle. And so as you know, I told you, I had this situation that happened to me where I had to rewrite a plagiarized report. Well, in the blog, it's actually, I'm crafting a bald eagle statue and the statue ends up being a plagiar, like a, a forgery. And so I have to make a whole new bald eagle, right? And so like, I'll just take things like that and transform them and try to make them funny and relatable. There's another one on there about uh, me getting stabbed on a Thursday. So, you know, everybody has a day that something crazy happens to them. I feel like, hey, oh yeah, that happened to me on Wednesday. It's why is it always Wednesdays? Why is it always Friday? My day's Thursdays. I feel like it's been that way probably since the meth happened. And so and if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen on the Thursday. And so there's actually uh, a couple of years ago, I actually stabbed myself opening a box. I had to go to the hospital and it's the Thursday <laughs> before my wife's birthday. Funny enough, tomorrow is my wife's birthday and it's Thursday. So hopefully I don't stab myself. Uh, but, you know, I teach you a valuable lesson, right? Like they tell you all the time, don't cut towards yourself, cut away from yourself, like the most basic principle in the world. But I'll write a blog about it, and I have photos of when I stab myself. I can give myself a nice little gash in my tattoo uh, that I'll never, never forget to remind me. Now, do you do you remember what's in the world's best stuffing ever? Oh, I know what's in it. So that's that's actually a family recipe for uh, stuffing, or I guess technically, since it doesn't go inside this turkey, it's more so dressing. But I was called stuffing, 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 right? And so yep. as I was growing up, my dad would make this just amazing stuffing, like like never any stuffing I've ever had before. And so I actually will give you the recipe, all the ingredients to use, how to make it. And so I, I've had people make it and say that that honestly was the best stuffing I've ever had. I was like, you're welcome. And so <laughs> I just put it on the blog and I'm like, hey, you know, if anybody's looking for a Thanksgiving stuffing recipe you can't go wrong so i'll do different things with it like every year i'll try to add something different sometimes i'll use um sometimes i'll use sage sausage in it sometimes i won't sometimes i'll add poblano peppers to it other times i won't right and so i'll just keep messing with it and changing the recipe just based on how i feel i guess at that at that time of the year well it looks wonderful and by the way for those of you who may not have heard this yet never ever ever put stuffing into the bird um, and cook it in the bird for two reasons. Number one, it's hard to make sure that it gets hot enough, um, and you can and you can create uh, um, botulism if you're not careful. And the other thing is, huh? I said, yeah, lots of bacteria. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, lots of bacteria. And the other thing is, is that a bread. If you put bread stuffing in there, it will absorb the meat or it'll absorb the liquid from the turkey so the look the turkey comes out really really dry and uh, it's because it's now all all the moisture is now in the stuffing the stuffing's good but everything else is really dry and that's that's not that, that's not good so do it your way uh put it in a pan and uh and then bake it and it looks wonderful it looks wonderful yeah yeah and my dad he, you know he, he tried to teach me a couple of times but you know like i said i was too busy playing sports and uh I never got the the exact way to make it. He would always be like, hey, dice this up, dice this up. Remember, you got to use this key ingredient, right? There's a key ingredient to get this flavor. And so I share with it in the blog. Um, but I would never have known that if I wouldn't actually taken the time to spend with him and, you know, cook with him. And, you know, it's a, it's a good 
bonding experience and we had that in common and so now I took it as I got older and I teach my kids how to cook and I write you know little recipes on there and share with people how, how, how many boys do you got uh, so I have three boys my oldest is going to be 18 this year my youngest is four months as a Tuesday and well, I have two did. girls so you must have had him when you were like 15. Yeah, I was I just barely turned 19 uh, when I was born or when he was born. I was in I was in the Navy. Um, I, I was basically just fresh out of boot camp when he uh, when he was when he was born. So, yeah, first one will be 18 this year. Then I have a 15 year old. Uh, he'll be 16 in June. He's six foot two probably now. He's, he's much taller than me. And we were working out in the garage the other day and like I got behind him to like spot him and he's like, this much so i'm like looking straight up and i'm like dude like where did you get so tall like i almost wanted to like you know like punch him or something because he's so tall yeah it's 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 tough when your kids get bigger and stronger and smarter than you are um i and i love your store on your website and you've got an apron and you've got i, I love the uh don't mess with me until i've had my coffee the, the mug that's there. Yep. So go, go to his website. His website again is a Drake and Den. Is that Drake and Drake and Drake Den? Drake and Den. So thank, yeah. So thank Great Den, but it's Great Den. So instead of Great Den, Great Den. So the main character of the first book is Mr. Greg, um, and that's kind of where this comes from. Uh, but it's GregDen.com. And so if you go on the about section, it'll actually be like. It's not Grigden, you know, like it sounds like a Kraken, but it's the Grigden. No, it's not that. And so it's like the Great Den. Ah, very good. Now, the second book is, is it at the uh, editors now? So I'm a little unique in that. I don't use an editor. But to be <laughs> fair, right, what's an editor going to tell me when I'm breaking all the rules, right? Like, hey, you can't misspell those words. Like, no, I misspelled it on purpose. Like, I, I, I know I misspelled it. It tells me every time when I misspelled things on my, like, you know, tool. And so I, I thought about this. And when I first started going through this process of the first book, I, I found that editors, you know, charge anywhere from a few cents to you know, multiple cents a word. Uh, just to edit. And so I'm like, I'm going to spend like three or $4,000. I don't even know if I'm going to sell three or four copies, right? Like, I don't know at the time, like I've never done this before. And so I'm like, if I put money into this and no one buys it, right? I just threw my money away to someone to tell me how to change my book. And I didn't want to do that. And so after I won all these awards, I'm like, all right, I clearly am onto something. How am I going to tell somebody, hey, I wrote like this. I use these things. So everything that you're about to point out, don't don't point it out because I know what's in there, right? And so I don't use an editor. I'm still actually writing uh, the book. I'm almost done, though. I've only got a couple chapters left to write. And then I'm going to plug it into my tool called Scrivener. And I'm going to edit from there for probably a month or so. And then it should be ready to go. Well, it but, makes sense. Since you're breaking all the rules anyway, you would be an editor's worst nightmare. Absolutely. They wouldn't even know what to do with me. They'd start reading this, and their eyes would start bleeding. And so that's why I tell people, right, like if uh, if you're a traditionalist and you're like, hey, the book has to be this type of way and written this way, just go listen to the audio book because it's probably going to bother you that I use pronoun sentences and I misspell words and things like that. The moral of the story is that you can write, and if you have a desire and you have a story to tell, tell the story. People are very forgiving about, about necessarily grammar and that kind of stuff i couldn't tell a run-on sentence if you said to save my life anyway so you know if it doesn't make any sense so yeah, congratulations. 
Uh-huh. Thank you. I said, well, we talk and run on sentences every day. And so that's kind of what I was, uh, that's kind of what I was going for whenever I was writing this. I was like, I wanted, to, I want this to read almost like how we're talking right now. And so the writing essentially takes on a character of its own, you know, like Lumi Stick, it's, his books are kind of like that. And that, you know, he almost like writes to the reader and he almost interacts with them and engages with them. And so I do that as well. Um, but then I also, I'll also include different elements. I'll include sound into the book. I'll make funny sounds. I'll make interesting sounds. I'll even do uh, Dr. Seuss type uh, style rhymes in there. And so I'll, something will happen and I do like a remix to London Bridge is Falling Down. And so as I'm getting ready to leave Amazon instead of London Bridge is Falling Down, it's some other nursery rhyme that I made up. Or if, uh, you know, I go to another scene in the book and I'm doing the interview and I'll take, um, you know, whistle while you work the, the Snow White song with the seven doors and I'll transform that into something else. And so I just take all these elements that make either a great story or just make for a great experience and try to include them in the book. So, yes, you're what you're reading a book, but it almost feels like you're in the story, like you can actually hear the sounds, you can actually feel and it's not just because I wrote like these specific words, but I bring in really just unique elements. That's, that's really cool. And before we started the show, I mentioned about uh, doing stand-up. I hope that you get around to writing some stand-up and going to some open night mic nights and stuff. I think you'd do really well. Yeah, that could be fun, right? I mean, who doesn't like, you know, getting up and making people laugh, but I'm sure it's also a different kind of, you know, getting kind of nervous and, you know, having to present and talk to people and have that right comedic timing. Uh, but also, right, like, what if you suck, right? You get up there, you have this great story, and then you just fall flat on your face, and people start booing you and throwing stuff at you. Like, at least when I read, I can just hide behind the screen over here, like, hey, you don't like it? That's okay. Like, I'm not going to get hurt. Well, if you talk to every comic who's worth his salt, everybody's been run off the stage at one time or another. That's right. I mean, I'm sure it's the same way with people who write books and other things, right? You hear this time, this stuff all the time. C.S. Lewis, Dr. Seuss, right? They submitted their books, like, to 20, 30 different people, and no one wanted it. No, it had nothing to do with what they were writing and how they did it. And so I feel like that's kind of part of the process is just you just got to start getting used to rejection. Exactly. Now, do you have a kid running around right behind you? Yes. I just saw her back here. She's, there's a dog in here. She's which, which one is that? <clears throat> uh, this is my uh, youngest daughter. She's nine. Oh, well, can I introduce myself to her? Well, hi there. You've been just running around behind your dad, and he's had to mute himself and everything. But nice to meet you. How are you? I don't think she could hear you. Sorry. Oh, nice to meet you. How are you? What's your name? Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. What's your name? Whitney. Whitney's a beautiful name. How are you today? Good. Good. Are you proud of your dad? Say yes. It'll be helpful later. She, she said, mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> <You gotta laughs> <be louder. laughs> oh very good. Well, it's nice nervous. to meet you. And I've had a great talk with your dad. And now you're going to be on TV. Yep. You came in here. So now you're part of the show. Yep. You're going to be on YouTube. So you can tell all your friends uh, that, that you've been on YouTube. Yep, that's right. Thank you. 
He probably didn't know what to do with herself when I called him over there. She'll come in here and see what I'm doing sometimes, but she usually doesn't like it in the screen. And so uh, she must have been just a little too curious because you saw her. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, she looked like she was dancing in the background a little bit. You know, she probably was. She loves to dance. That's all we can always tell that she's in a good mood. She'll either be dancing or she'll be singing songs. Even sometimes in the bathroom, like all of a sudden, we'll hear those loud music coming from the bathroom. I'm like, what the heck is going on in there? And she's just singing a song in there, like having the greatest time. And I'm like, all right, she must be in a good mood. And she always has a good time when she does that. But she's not in a good mood. You won't hear as much singing or dancing. Going on. So <laughs> I feel like kids usually wear their hearts on their sleeves. Yeah. Well, from what I've, everything I've been told, that you are a heck of a dad. You've got five great kids. <clears throat> you've done really well with yourself and continue writing. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, will you call me and, and so that I can do interview you again when the next book comes out? Absolutely. And so, uh, I put, I'm trying to do this, this book launch uh, the, the right way, right? I'm actually trying to follow the rules this time. Uh, when I did, when I released the first book, uh, I didn't know there's this thing called book launches. I didn't know there's this thing that you need to do called marketing. Um, but it did work out, uh, right? But I mean, marketing, right? It's you, oh, yeah. people got to be able to find your book. If they don't know about your book, you're not going to sell any copies. You know, it seems like common sense, but sometimes you just don't get it. And so my book actually came out in February and I hadn't marketed. I haven't done anything. I'm like, hey, this is a great title. It's catchy. People are going to read it and be like, what the heck is that? All right, this sounds interesting. Let's get it. But that's not what happened. What, what's lucky, though, is my uh, my mom got to see me become an author. Um, I printed out the copies, I sent it to her, and she actually passed away in March. And my book wasn't actually supposed to come out until March 31st. And so that was the plan. But there was a mix up whenever I went to do the self publishing. When I went to do the print versions, there's no pre order date on Amazon. I didn't know this at the time because I've never done this before. Um, so as I go to submit, I'm thinking, like, all right, it's going to prompt me for a date when I want this pre release to be or pre order to come out. It never did. And it's like, hey, your book's going to come out in 72 hours. I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's coming out then. No stopping it now. And so I actually got printed out some copies. I got to share it with her and then she passed away, you know, a few weeks later. But you know, I felt like if I would have done it the right way, she probably would never got to see that happen. So I feel like, you know, it's kind of a God thing. And that, you know, yeah, it was, it was something that was really cool. And by the way, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a little over a year now. So, you know, getting through it, that's, that's a part of life. And so, you know, I understand that it was tough, but you know, I was able to bring my kids with me. They were able to say goodbye to their grandma. Um, and, you know, just talk them through it and share that part of life. You know, it's not it's not easy, but you know, kids shouldn't be shielded from some things like that as well, especially as they get older. Right. Like they don't understand when they're super little. But as they're older, um, they, they do get to understand those things. And so it's uh, it's difficult, but, you know, it's good to. Well, and I'll, <clears throat> I'll tell you, as as you get older and more and more of your friends, you're still young. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm 30 yeah. years older than you or 25 years older than you. So as as you know, my best friend from high school passed away, and I, two guys I played baseball with that passed away. My brother passed away. My mom passed away. My dad passed away. But you know, so you, you get kind of used to it after a while. But uh, yeah. uh, it's, it doesn't it's, make it any easier, I know. No, no, but it's yeah. just part of life. Uh, That's right. That's part of life. By the way, we've been um, interviewing G. S. Jerry, and uh, go to his website again, which is I'm not going to pronounce it right, so you do it. It's grapeden.com. And find out all the information about him. Uh, you can buy the book at Walmart, Audible, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it. You can, And if, it's, if you like a local 
small bookseller that you like to, to give them your business, go give them the title and they'll get the book for you. Um, and so that would be good for them and be good for Jerry too. Right. Absolutely. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we, we say a bit adieu? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm coming out with a new book, uh, as you kind of touched on, uh, kind of tell you guys a little bit about it. It's going to be called hysterical hangouts with the hind legs. And it's going to be a reality show as a book. And so I feel like that's a pretty innovative, unique concept. And then I did some research and I couldn't find, but like one or two of them out there. And so it's going to be, uh, it's going to play on, you know, essentially the worst stereotypes of a family dynamic. Whenever you meet your girlfriend or you meet your significant other, uh, significant other is, you know, pretty much a bride and true tradition. You meet the girlfriend, you go meet your parents and you live happily ever after. Well, what happens when you go meet the parents and you meet the family and the, the other person you're dating is recording everything and he's going to release all this footage for the world to see, but he gets a lot more than he ever bargained for. And so along the way, this main character, who's the reality show producer, actually gets pulled into some crazy events. Um, he gets wrestled by the by the by the dad they do a little arm wrestling contest then the brothers hog tie him string him up the very first time he gets he meets them the father ends up being a mad scientist knows how to make uh hydrogen gas balloons so i don't know if you know this or not but you can actually turn water into explosive gas well if you read the book i'll teach you how to do that uh because he told me and there's also a lot of other crazy things one of the brothers actually takes uh, the main character on a, on a journey does a drive-by shooting with the soda can, believe it or not, and so they run through their run for their life through these back country country roads, trying to flee the scene of a crime because the brother hangs out the window and you know attacks an unsuspecting car, and so every chapter is basically like an episode from a reality show, and so I use a lot of humor uh, to kind of bring that story along, but always kind of involving the camera. And the name of the book again is Hysterical Hangouts with the Hind Legs, and so. Uh, the arch nemesis, I guess you could call him, is the, his girlfriend's dad, uh, which is Commodore Adolf Heinleg, A-T-E-O-F-F. So it sounds like he's Adolf is Heinleg. Yep, and he's, in, he's a Commodore, so he's, he was in the Navy too. That's right, he was in the military, and so there's some military thematic elements in there. Um, I even include, you know, since it's supposed to be like a reality show, every book is going to have a rated tv 14 or rated tv 13 or whatever and i'm going to be kind of like hey there's going to be alcohol there's going to be substance abuse there's going to be violence there's going to be blood or you know kind of all the good parts of what you know they have to disclose as part of the shows that you watch and so again trying to do something different here um but it's going to basically show what happens when families stop being polite and start being real because they really don't know they're being recorded exactly exactly well it, it, looking forward to getting that book out and and uh it'll, it'll be fun because it probably will win awards too you you seem to have the knack i hope so i'm, I'm certainly going to submit it and you know like i said i'm going to actually do this whole book launch thing send it out to get reviews and try and get you know a bunch of reviews i did say if i can get to a thousand pre-orders i will release it well before the due date so let's make that happen Yes, indeed. Go to, uh, would they go to Amazon to do? Yeah, to so the rest one, they'll go, yeah, they'll go to Amazon for this. I haven't updated my website. So if you go to Amazon, search 
GS Jerry, you will find the hysterical hangouts with the hind legs as well as myth murdering as well. So GS Jerry, thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed our time together. Yeah, and thank you for having me. It's a, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always great meeting new people and you know getting to share my story and have a little fun and adventure along the way. Oh, it's a great story. It's a great story. So go go pick it up and you can go to his website again, which is G-R-A-K-E-D-E-N.com. And uh, you can find out all about him and everything that the, he's got going on. So thank you very much again for being here. And, and by the way, congratulations on following your passion. I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, again, thanks for having me on. You betcha. Hold right there and I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.